You're listening to the Seek, Go, Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. And here's your host, Tim Winders. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Seek, Go, Create podcast. I'm Tim Winders, and I'm excited about this topic today. The title that I'm using is Living on Wheels, and really it's how you can live in an RV or other variations, a trailer or a Class A, and we'll talk about some different types in this episode, but just living on wheels, being mobile, being able to start up an engine or hook something up to it and go somewhere else. And one of the things that's interesting about this, this is, I'm actually recording this in late, in late, um, I guess late summer of 2019. And uh, my wife and I started living in our RV at the beginning of this year, uh, January 1st, 2019. And I'll tell some stories about that here when we, when we get farther along. But, um, but I, I wanna just say this, I don't know that I ever knew this existed when I was growing up. I think I knew that people, you know, went camping and that they, you know, had trailers and RVs and things like that. And, you know, I'd see them on the road, but this is really a world that I was not familiar with. And, you know, just like a lot of things, you know, you go through life and you think you've seen things, you think you know things, you think you're kind of smart, and then you realize there's something out there that is just beyond anything you could ever imagine. And this this life, this lifestyle is kind of like that. So one of the things I just want to say just as as I get started is really it's just about being mobile. And and the best example I could tell you is that my wife and I were in a part of the country where it was a little bit warm, it was toasty, it was desert, and and we were not enjoying it as much as we had hoped we would. And I'm not gonna go into the details of the location. I might talk about that more in another in another actual podcast, but but we were there and we just kind of looked at ourselves and we realized that we didn't have to stay where we were because we lived on wheels. And that was kind of like this shift. I mean, we, we were thinking, oh, well, this is where we're at. You know, we're booked to be here for another week. And so we need to stay here. And we just looked at ourselves and said, no, we don't. We can leave. So we kind of packed up, pulled in the slides, you know, got things started and headed farther north and kept going north until we enjoyed the weather more and the surroundings. And that's just kind of one of the cool things about this type of a lifestyle. And, and it's just something that you're going to have to think differently. One of the things that I want to mention before we get much farther on talking about our story and some of the things that we see as advantages and challenges and and difficulties that could arise is that there are a lot of places to get information about the topic for this podcast. I may put some links down in the show notes, but really all you have to do is go to Google, go to YouTube, go to Facebook, go wherever you do your searches and type in living in an RV, living full-time in an RV, traveling in an RV, and you are going to have all types of YouTube videos come up. You're going to have people that do this full-time as a lifestyle. You're going to have people that are single that are doing it. You're going to have young people, 
I don't use the word old, mature people. You're going to have families. There's a family of, of six that we watch from time to time. There's a family that has teenagers. There's a young couple that just had a baby that we watch from time to time. There, there are all types of resources available for you to learn more about this type of living. So just beyond the initial things in this podcast, if it, podcast, if it gets you thinking and wondering about it, just go do some searches and find some people that you enjoy, that you relate to, and listen to what they have to say. Now, a lot of them are very... Um, very frank and blunt about you know the good and the bad. Some people, of course, they 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 put on the happy face, which is what we do on a lot of social media and YouTube and things like that. But but I will tell you, there's a lot of people that they tell it like it is, and I think that's valuable to those of you that are really wanting to do research. And it's quite entertaining and and, and enjoyable just to be able to go places and travel around if you're in, you know, the United States, North America, and just see all the incredible beauty and the great towns and and country, countryside and and national parks and even the bigger cities. Some people may enjoy that more just to see all that's out there. Before I get into our RV story and kind of how we got started in this, I just want to share something kind of interesting. Just the other day, I, I was contacted by someone that I went to high school with. And I've known, we've kept in touch on and off. We're connected on Facebook. And high school for me has been many years ago, approaching almost 40 years. But this person reached out and says, Hey, Tim, I heard that you and your wife were living in an RV and traveling. And my wife and I are considering taking a year off and just hitting the road and traveling and seeing things. They were kind of in an interim time and their lives, all their children have gone to college or gotten out of college. Uh, they have, haven't really started uh, having families on their own, so they don't really have grandchildren yet. So they just said, you know what, the next year or two would be a great year for us to hit the road and travel. And so we talked through a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking to you about in this podcast. It's interesting. I've been making notes and thinking about what I'm going to share, and it was very timely. We spent about an hour on the phone, and he was he was asking questions. He goes, have you heard about the 5575, which is basically where people stay in temperatures that are between 55 degrees and 75 degrees, which are the sweet spot for living this type of lifestyle. You don't have too hot, you don't have too cold, and I'm going, yeah, we've we've done that. Sometimes we've done it well, sometimes we haven't done it well, but we've kind of attempted to do that ourselves. And you know, he was just asking a lot of questions, and some of them I'll share as we go through this because it's it's valuable, I believe, to a lot of people just to hear what some of the questions are that people have. So before we get too much farther into this uh, episode, I want to just share what my wife and I did to to get into this lifestyle because it is now, like I said, late 2019 at the time of recording this. And as early as spring of 2018, we weren't even discussing doing this. We were, we were about to consider traveling again a little bit more. We'd kind of been traveling, but we'd been going to, um, to school for a little while. And we said, you know what, let's just, let's just start traveling again. We had done it before house sitting. And of course, then we did it with just Airbnbs and on planes and and just in our vehicle, and and my wife was just thinking. She said, "You know, 
it would be so cool to travel and not have to pack and repack every time you do it. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're kind of praying types in our household and kind of lift things up to the Lord and ask him what he thinks about it and do our best to try to listen and see if he responds. And there was one day that she came out of uh, the, the little place we were staying at the time and said, I think that we're supposed to get an RV. And it, it would have been so incredible if she had had a camera at the time to, to take a picture or capture the look on my face. I don't, for those that know me, have been around me, I don't have that many facial expressions. Uh, pretty much it, it is what it is. And so, but I'm guessing that there was a look of whatever shock or awe or you've got to be kidding or oh my goodness on my face. And fortunately, uh, for those that have been married for a long period of time, you learn not to quickly snap or respond when your spouse says something like that. So I just kind of was quiet and thought about it. And I think my response was something like, hmm, that's interesting. Let's think about it and see what comes up. And so, so anyway, we had a lot of things going on at the time. Our, our, our daughter was about to get married. And of course, we were very involved with that. And we were just thinking about what our next journey, our next steps were going to be. And so we just did what I mentioned earlier in this uh, episode. We just started doing some research online and, and, and seeing what we might like, seeing if it was even possible, seeing if we could do our work and business while we were on the road and just checking things out. And, and so, so here's kind of what happened. I mean, we immersed ourselves in it. And, and let me just say, this world is, like I mentioned earlier, it is a culture and the short word for culture is cult. It is a culture that I never knew existed, like I mentioned earlier. And if you go into it, it is quite the rabbit hole. There are so many different types of RVs and, and Class A and Class B and Class C and, and travel trailers and fifth wheels. And some of these terms you may not have ever heard before, but man, they are, there are so many options out there. And we just started realizing how many choices there were. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes the more choices there are, then the more complex the decision is. Sometimes it's best to walk into a grocery store and have two choices of bread or cereal instead of the, you know, 500 choices or 50 choices. And man, the RVs, they're like that. If you do a search, you will find all types of things out there. So we just started thinking about it. We were praying about it. And we just said, what, what do we want? If we were to do this, what would it look like? And we had some basic decisions. And I'll just walk through some of our decisions. It might help you if this is a path that you're going down. We wanted to get into this lifestyle with as, I'll just say, as less of a capital, as low as a, of a capital outlay as possible because I'll just be upfront with you you could spend a hundred thousand dollars very easily you could spend 200 you could spend 300 you could spend 400,000 or more on some of these big rigs and diesel pushers and and really tricked out trailers and a 
and a big, nice $100,000 pickup truck to pull it, it would be very easy to do that. And we had set aside quite a bit of cash, so we were really wanting to pay cash for something, really didn't want to finance anything, even though that is an option and many people will do that. But we just kind of didn't want to do that. So, so we decided that, uh, number one, we needed to have something that fit some of our criteria. And part of our criteria was that we, um, number one, we didn't own a pickup truck at the time. And when we started checking, we realized that we were going to have to probably purchase a 50, 70, 80, almost maybe even a $100,000 pickup truck to be able to pull the size of a fifth wheel or a trailer that uh, that we would be interested in if we were going to be living in it full time because we needed a little bit of space. We need obviously to be able to sleep comfortably and to cook and have a kitchen. And most importantly for us, we needed uh, we needed it to be a mobile office for our companies and business and work that we did. So we need two office spaces. And for those that might be watching this, I actually record video of of this podcast. Also, I'm actually sitting in my office space, which is the front seat of the Class A motorhome. And uh, I'm sitting here with a 27-inch iMac in front of me. I've got my video camera here that I'm looking into, and I've got a microphone and, and my keyboard and all of this. And it's, an, it's a nice little office space. And back in the back, my wife has really a nice office with a 34-inch monitor and truthfully probably a nicer. With a, also, she has a full-length whiteboard that we use and she uses for things and, and a curtain that she pulls behind so that she can do her video calls. And truthfully, it's probably a better and more more private type office than most people that work from home have and probably nicer than, than a lot of people have that even work in offices. So we're pretty proud of, of what we were able to develop. But that was one of our criteria. We needed to have office space. And so once we started deciding what our criteria was, we just jumped online, looked at videos, and tried to find something that had layouts or plans that would fit that. And because we weren't going to be buying a truck, it didn't appear, it kind of negated the fifth wheel and the and also the travel trailers, which are good options, by the way. Those things are spacious. They are nice, and they are bigger than probably a lot of people in the world live in. They have high ceilings, and and anyway, they're just very nice. So so we started narrowing it down to motorhomes, and motorhomes are, are, I guess, to keep it simple for those that may not know, those are those are RV recreational vehicles that actually have a truck or a motor that you can just move it. It's all in a contained type unit. And there are multiple types of those. There's Class A's, which are the big ones you see on the road. They look like big old huge um, boxes and they're built on truck chassis. And some of them can be huge. They can get up to about 45 feet. In fact, as I'm sitting here, I almost wish I could spin it around to my right in the RV park that we're in is a 45 foot motor coach that it is beautiful. It's got the uh, it's got uh, multiple wheels on it. It is massive, probably beautiful on the inside. We've chatted with the folks next door, and uh, and they spend a lot of time in it traveling all over. So anyway, those are the big Class A's. There's Class C's, which you may have recognized. Those have, typically, they are smaller type trucks, a little bit easier to maneuver, not as big of a truck chassis. And it doesn't have anything to do with the length. Some of them can be small, as low as 23 to 25 feet or a little bit smaller. Our son just purchased a 25-foot 
that he's going to be living in full time. His is a Class C motorhome that's got the it's built on the truck chassis, and most of them have you kind of seen where there's a bed up above where the truck is, um, the truck or the driver driver part is. Those are generally Class Cs, and they can get very long too. They can get up to 35 to 40 feet. I've seen them that way. Typically, they're a little bit lower, easier to drive, but may not have as much power. I don't. I shouldn't say that. Not all of that's not always the case. So, that's Class A and Class C. The differences there, and then just real quick, Class B. They're not in order. This gets real confusing. Class B are are what I like to call sprinter vans. There are some of these. They're built on Mercedes chassis or Volvo or different chassis and. They really are cool because they're they're on they're, they look like a big van, and uh, and they can move in and out of things easier. They can they're easier to drive most of them, and you can get in and out of state parks, national parks, real easily. Where our our RV is almost 40 feet, about 39 feet, and it's a little bit tougher to maneuver. And this 45 foot one next to me right here, there are places that it just can't go. It's just too big, so. So those are kind of the differences there. I'm, I'm not going to get bogged down with all of that. If you are interested in it, just do a search on it. And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, and I might include this in the show notes. The easiest place to see a lot of RVs is to go to rvtrader.com. There's apps for the phone and, and um, mobile devices. There's a website. And it is just where you can go in and even search for some of the things I've mentioned and and see what is out there. And that's kind of what we were doing. We we decided that we were most likely going to need a Class A motorhome, and we needed it to be a certain layout. We wanted it to have kind of multiple living spaces so that we can divide some things up and each of us have a little bit of privacy in our offices and maybe our quiet time in the morning. We like to have our coffee and quiet time and spend time with the Lord and just meditate and things like that. And sometimes it's tough to do when we're, you know, right on top of each other. And so we wanted to spread out a little bit. So we just did searching. We searched and we then made the decision that we were most likely going to get an older RV, not older, but not a new one, because we were probably going to have to do some renovations. Now, the renovations are important to talk about, and, and I want to be careful how I do this because I don't want to upset some folks, but, but, but we've kind of gotten a certain style that we've started to enjoy as we travel and see things. We like lighter colors. We like smaller, more minimalist or essentialist furniture, not real big, not real bulky, and, and also as far as colors go, we like whites and light grays and some of those type things and what we found when we when we started looking into RVs was that there is really a lot of brown and a lot of carpet and a lot of dark colors and even some of them when you start getting into the high-end motor coaches some of these you almost feel like you're walking into a Vegas casino there's lights on the ceilings and they're lit up underneath, and anyway, they're, they're very, very nice, okay? Some of the features and some of the, um, some of the things that they have, the gadgets and the bells and whistles are phenomenal, but we just started telling ourselves, you know what? We are looking for something that we can go in and rip out a lot of the stuff, 
paint it, get all the carpet out. And what that told us is that we just didn't want to go with two, three, four hundred thousand dollar coaches. We wanted to get something a few years old because just like anything, just like vehicles, these things depreciate quickly. You drive them off the lot if you buy a new one, and everybody will tell you this, this is not being negative, they go down in value tremendously. So for us, we just are, you know, wanting to watch our investment and consider what we're putting into, putting our money into. And we just decided we were going to look at a certain age and, and get something older because we were going to do some fix up and some work ourselves. So that was the decision we made. And so what we did was, is we, we started doing a little bit of research and we heard, and I don't know if this is a myth or if it's true, but we heard that the years 2001 to 2008-ish, right before the, before the financial downturn where a lot of these companies went belly up and got bought out, that that was a good time as far as quality build and, and, and companies were doing well and building good quality units. So we just kind of narrowed our search to that age bracket and, and, and we found a, it was a 2006 Gulfstream um, Sun Voyager was the brand we started looking at and we decided we weren't going to go diesel. I, I didn't need the extra, the extra items that, that came along with diesel. There are a lot of people that will tell you that a diesel Class A is the only way to go because it drives great and things like that. We just wanted to be able to get into this lifestyle, as I said earlier, with as low of a capital expenditure and we, as we could. And diesels add quite a bit to the price point if you start pricing those out. So to shorten the story a little bit, this is kind of this is kind of what happened with us. In June of 2018, we really started looking. It was when we had finished up our daughter's wedding and we said, okay, let's start looking. And we really didn't go look at a lot of them. We were looking online and we just didn't need this to be a long drawn out process. We wanted it to, to something to kind of fall in our lap. That was our prayer. That was our desire. And so we kind of found a few units that we wanted to, that we wanted to keep our search narrowed down to. And what we found was we found a few of them and we found one, we were, we were in Colorado at the time. We found one in Naples, Florida. That was a 2006 Gulfstream Sun Voyager. And it was about 39 feet and it was priced well. I'll just tell you it was well under $40,000. It had 21,000 miles on it. That was right. You heard that right. 21,000 miles on a 2006. Now, I will say this. That could mean one of two things. It could be that someone didn't use it much and it just kind of sat, or it could be that someone parked it and they lived in it and it lived in it hard. And uh, I don't think that was the case, but uh, those are a few things that we've observed with these type units. There are people that buy these and just live in them full time. So they may not put a, put a number of miles on them. Just kind of an interesting side story in the RV park that we're currently in. In fact, this, this one spot that we're in a few weeks ago, we talked to some people that had a, um, a, a large fifth wheel. It was real big. And they had had this for three years and they had lived in it every summer, but it only had 38 miles on it. You heard me right, 38 miles, because this is what these people do, and it's kind of really cool. They live right here in this town here in Oregon, on the Rogue River in Oregon, and what they do is they live here, 
but in this park, which is right on the river, they can pull right up and back right up to the river. They rent a space all summer long. They bring their their fifth wheel over here and they just set up and they live here all summer. So they lived have lived in this um, RV probably a total of nine, almost 12 months, but it only has 38 miles on it. So that's a good example of what I'm talking about. Something could have low mileage, but a lot of wear, or it could have not a lot of wear and high mileage if someone's driven cross country multiple times, but they haven't really stayed in it that often. So, so anyway, so that's what we found. And, uh, and here's the process we went through just real quick. I'll share it with you because you might learn something from how we went about um, acquiring this RV from a distance, kind of sight unseen. So here's what we did. We found our RV. It was in Naples, Florida. We were in Colorado, called up the guy selling it. It was a sort of a, a representative selling it on consignment. We had a conversation. He walked through it on video. We saw a number of pictures, did a VIN search, did some searches on it. And, and I said, I think we're interested. What would I need to do to put some money down just to hold it until we get down there? We actually were going to be traveling to Florida in about uh, three, four weeks after that. And he said he just needed $1,000. And so we put, we got $1,000 to him real quick. And right after that, he found, he, we found out he had a couple people that came in that were interested. And when, because I did research and I felt like the price was really good on this, even if it needed some work, which we were going to be doing anyway, that we were going to come out pretty well on this because there were some, I guess, valuations, blue book values that had it, had it, had it valued at twice what we were going to get it for. And listen, when you start doing blue book values and, and, and NADA values on these things, it runs the gamut. It can be very confusing. So I don't put a lot of stock in that, but we felt pretty good about it. And, and then there was one other thing I did, and I think this is an important tip for anyone that's going to acquire one of these. And, and I want to share how this worked out for you, how, how this worked out for us, because I think it's a step you definitely need to add if you're going to be acquiring a used RV. So here's what we did to make sure that we were going to be spending our time wisely if we were driving down and, and going to get this RV or, and take a look at it. There are organizations out there that are certified RV inspection um, organizations. And for around four to $500, these people will go out and inspect the RV for you. And so, so what I did was I did a search, found uh, someone in that Naples, Florida area that was certified by this organization. And I arranged for them to go where the RV was and do an inspection. And, and I've got to tell this, it was so funny. I arranged with the person selling it. I told them I was going to have someone come inspect it, and they, that was fine with them. You know, they knew we were spending a few dollars and wanted to make sure it was, you know, there weren't significant amounts of things wrong with it before we committed. And so we, you know, I paid the folks to go to the inspection. I believe it was around $450, $500. And so they went and did the inspection. And, and I was amazed. I got a text about four or five hours in from the person selling the RV and their comment was something to the effect of these inspectors are insane. They've been here five hours and they show no signs of letting up. And I just answered back and I said, thanks for letting me know. 
And truthfully, that made me feel pretty good. I mean, you you know, if someone's going to inspect it, I know even if I was personally going to inspect an RV I was purchasing, for one, I wouldn't know what all to look for. And number two, I would not spend six hours looking over every system, all the mechanics, all the interiors and things like that. So anyway, they did a search on it. And, and I'll tell you that just within about 24, 48 hours, I got a report that was about 40 pages long with pictures. And this is something that could be an issue. This And they had all of these things listed out. And I'll say initially it was overwhelming. And I remember talking to my wife about it. I said, gosh, this thing has a lot of things going on with it. But what we did was we just looked at all the items and they basically had put the list together of things that we may need to do to make our improvements. You know, light bulb out here, and they want to look at this light, and this has the potential to be a leak. You know, the sealant could be getting dry and cracked. And, you know, there were a few items, no doubt, that uh, that we were going to need to address, but we had planned on that anyway. So what initially was a bit fearful for us, it's like, oh, no, there's a lot of things wrong with this, and we're going to try to make this our home it really kind of gave us a comfort level that now we had a thorough inspection that we could use to uh, to to acquire this and then begin doing our fix up. So what we did was we started our cross country journey. We were going to be heading down to Naples, Florida, and we were going to go transact and go ahead and acquire this this RV. So I actually forwarded one other quick thing on the um, on the inspection. I forwarded the inspection over to the guy selling it. And there were a few issues with the batteries, the way they were hooked up and they weren't holding charge and different things like that because there's multiple battery systems in these RVs. And one thing that was kind of neat, I decided, and I, I love to negotiate. I'm a business guy, background in real estate. I decided because I felt we were getting a good deal on this already that I was not going to beat this guy up and try to negotiate. And so... And, and so I just forwarded without any comment, forwarded the inspection over, and he answered back and says, you know what, this battery issue is a bit of a deal. And he says, we may take a look at it. And just a cool thing happened when we actually got down to Florida to look at it. He said, listen, I thought that those batteries needed to be switched out and taken care of. So we went ahead and put new batteries in, made sure everything was correct per the inspection. And so that probably would have been a $500 to $1,000 item that we didn't really even have to negotiate on or talk about. So anyway, so we travel down to Naples, Florida, and, and we go to Transact, and we look around. And I must admit, I just want to give you first impressions. I pulled into the parking lot where we were going to take possession of unless we saw some issues with this with this vehicle that I'd already had inspected. I'm not sure what I would have found myself, not being an expert in this. But I pulled in and I looked at this thing and I thought it was the most massive, huge thing I have ever seen in my life. And I was about to get into it and drive it. I had never driven anything that big in my life, you know, Years ago when I was in college and working summer jobs, I'd driven a bulldozer a little bit and, you know, kind of decent-sized trucks, dump truck and things like that and some construction work. But to drive something that was 40 feet, it looked like it was going to hit every overhanging bridge as high as it was and as long. I mean, it, it was extremely intimidating. 
I must admit, I mean, it, I was in the Florida heat in July. This was right around the first week of July. I mean, I was sweating anyway, but my hands were getting cold and clammy sweats from this. So uh, anyway, it was, it was overwhelming. We did our walkthrough. We looked at it. You know, everything seemed to look okay. We transacted, signed everything, and my wife, Glory, gets in our, our car, our, our, our small little SUV, and she's going to follow me. And I start this thing up, and I'm going, okay, I'm about to drive a 40-foot vehicle in southern Florida, and we're going to drive down and go to a, go to a, an RV camping campground area just a few miles down the road, and then maybe we can figure out how this thing works. So anyway, so that's the way it worked. We actually went to, we actually pulled out and went to a Walmart first. I pulled in a Walmart parking lot, ran over a few curbs because there's a lot of, there's a lot of vehicle behind you that you're not used to. So didn't really cause any damage or anything, but I hit a few curbs. So I started learning a little bit about swinging wide and, and, and planning and strategizing on where you're going to park and things like that. So so anyway, we went in Walmart and tried to figure out how the generator worked because it was hot inside the RV. And anyway, there was a lot going on there. But we went down to our first campsite and everything takes longer in an RV than you expect. We got there after dark, which big tip here, try your best not to get to where you're going to be camping or parking after dark. Got there after dark to camp the campground or the RV resort office was closed. They leave a, a little map for you to tell you where you go. And I didn't want to get pinned in and all, so my wife, Glory, drove ahead of me to find the camp spot, the campsite that we were going. And literally, it looked as if it was threading a needle with this 40-foot vehicle is what we were going to be pulling into. I don't I don't want to do this story again. This is kind of the challenges of some of this, but but it was it was quite had someone had this on video, it would have probably made all kind of viral, funny, you won't believe this. But I was able to, without destroying the park model, small homes around there and the RVs around us to wedge this thing in what felt like, you know, a small needle that we were trying to get this RV in. And, uh, you know, kind of an interesting story. After, after I was able to get it in there and I was <laughs> working hard at it again, it was probably 10 o'clock at night. There was a lot of back and forth. It probably took us a good 45 minutes to an hour to get this thing in this small little spot. If I looked at it now, you know what? It probably wouldn't be that small. We're more comfortable now. It just seems small. I got out of the RV, and my beautiful wife of of almost thirty years at the time, she came and she was she had tears coming down her down her cheeks. She wrapped her arms around me and she said, "You are my hero. I can't believe you were able to do that." And I, I don't I don't want to duplicate that, but I can tell you what that. I will always remember that of my wife being super proud of me in that situation. So anyway, that's kind of a fun little story of our first night in the RV. 
So anyway, so we, we were learning our way around the RV and trying to figure out how the water worked and sewer worked and electricity. And I'm not sure that we hooked up things right that first time, but, but we, um, we were, we did pretty well and we got the, got the hang of it. And then we went over to a home that we're going to, we were going to be house sitting in, in fact, for six weeks in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And they allowed us to pull the RV beside their home. He had a bunch of tools and things like that said, Hey man, do whatever you want to do. So so we proceeded over the next six weeks to rip things out, gut it, paint it, get all the carpet out, put new flooring in, and just redo everything with the RV. I, don't, I do not know if I would do that again, but we're very excited about the way it turned out, and, and now we've kind of made it a home, and, and we've got our, all our spaces and things like that. So that's kind of the way our story worked. We kind of spent the rest of 2018 finishing up a few little projects, drove it cross country back to Colorado and had some help from some people that were more skilled than I was to, to finish up some of the, some of the little things that we did. And, and, uh, at, at some point, maybe I'll try to get some pictures, maybe even down in the show notes of before and after and, and all, but let me just say that, um, I, I, I highly recommend you looking at doing something like this if you really have a desire to be mobile. Just consider it because it has been a super fun adventure for us. We were so proud, like I, like I mentioned earlier when, when my wife just wrapped her arms around my neck and said, I am so proud of you being able to park this thing. And now we're getting good at her giving this the hand signals to me to back up and stop and go to the left, go to the right. And I'm better with the mirrors and things like that. And anyway, it's just been a cool journey. And we were extremely uncomfortable when we started. And I think we need to go through in life and, and put ourselves in situations where we're uncomfortable. I mean, it's great to be comfortable, but you know what? We need to stretch ourselves. This has definitely stretched us. And so we're excited about this journey and we're well into well into our first full year of, of doing this. And you know, we may keep doing it. We may stop. We may go be permanent somewhere for a while. And we may go get a house and stay there. But here's what we know is that, is that it's been really cool for us just to experience this and, and try this and, and do what we've done. So that's a little bit of our story. Let me just tell you a, a few of what I believe are the advantages and the challenges with, with living the mobile, mobile life. Obvious advantages are this, is that you can go places and stay in places that you never could if you just lived in a home and didn't really get out much. Um, for example, we have gone and stayed on the coast and rivers and mountain areas. And one of the things we like to do is we like to go stay in an area for a longer period of time. And then we jump in our, um, our small, our, our little SUV and we go explore. And we can kind of be like a local. We can see what parts of the world or the country we really like, the weather we like. And just see if it might be something that we want to go spend time in later. And so that's a cool advantage. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, if, if there's something going on, recently there was a hurricane that was moving towards Florida and then it went up the coast of the U.S. And, and a lot of people, if you've got a home, you, you just got to gotta make it work there. But if you're on wheels, you can pack up and head to another part of the country to get out of the, the way of the storm. And so... 
that's obviously an advantage. Um, it just gives you mobility, you know, it gives you the ability to see new things. Uh, those are just a lot of the advantages that we have seen. Challenges, same thing as the advantages. I mean, there's, you, you live on wheels. I mean, let me just tell you, you've got a lot going on here. There's, for us, there's a truck, there's a house, and you mash them both together, and there could be issues with that. In fact, this morning before I recorded this, we had a little bit of a leak in our bathroom, and this could happen in a house or anything too. It was where the um, the supply line goes into our, our faucet that it was starting to drip, drip, drip. And you know, with a lot of things, homes or anything, you don't like water, but definitely with something like this, an RV, water is not your friend. And so you're always watching your roof and things like that. And you know what, in all likelihood, it was where our supply lines had just gotten le gotten loose. You know, you just want to finger tighten them and then just a little bit more where they connect because when I touched it, water just started going everywhere. They were almost loosened up so much that they were about to disconnect totally, which would have put water everywhere. And so I am sure that over the course of driving and going over some rough roads that those began to loosen. So. I just told my wife, put it on our checklist that every 90 days, every 180 days, we need to check all the water hose connections and things like that. So that's a challenge. That's something that you don't necessarily deal with in a in a what's many times called a sticks and bricks house situation. So um, another thing is, is there's just a fatigue that can occur when you're moving around. I mean, a quick example, when we came to this campsite or this RV park that we're in right now, when we got here, they had moved us to a spot that was not as picturesque, I'll say, as the, as the site that we thought we were going to have. And that's a bit of a challenge. And then we, for two weeks, so to fix it, for two weeks we were going to be in, in one RV site, and then they want us to move to another one. Well, it was a morning where we both had some video calls and, and conference calls, and, and I was going to need to move kind of during those, which means we had to had to you know break some things down, move our walls in. We have some slides and and basically move during some work time, and it it was a difficult thing to do. Not that big of a deal, but a bit of a challenge. And so those are some challenges. So there's there's just a few things that you're going to have to deal with, and it can be fatiguing if you're always trying to think, okay, where we're going to go now, and you know, a lot of people just like to freestyle. They like to leave a place and say, we're just going to find a place to stay. And I like people that can do that. I admire it. But but Glory and I, we are a little bit more of planners and we need to make sure we've got Wi-Fi and internet, which can be a challenge in, in, this, uh, in this lifestyle. And so we like to plan things out. And so we like to lay out where we're going to be and what dates we're going to be here. And and so that can be fatiguing, trying to make all that happen and, and do that. So anyway, and then last thing I'll mention as a challenge, and, and it's related to working, is that is the whole Wi-Fi and doing business and working. It can be difficult to make sure you're in a spot that has good Wi-Fi so that we can do our work and video calls and things like that. At the time of recording this, we've been doing this lifestyle for, for almost nine months completed. And we have never not had Wi-Fi, but there have been some times that it hasn't been as strong or the signals as, as 
as steady as we would have liked them. But it has not hindered our ability to get work done, our ability to do calls and and, and those type things. So anyway, but that is a challenge for those of you that work. And there's a another episode we're going to be doing just titled Working on the Road. I believe it's the next episode, so we'll talk more about that. So that's a little bit of the advantages and the challenges of being mobile. And, you know, everybody we talk to, everybody we meet out in this world, they just say, man, it is so cool just to be able to go. And, you know, in this world, there are a lot of people that are retired which is kind of neat. You know, they work work all their lives and then retire and then travel. Uh, one of the things that Glory and I have observed is that many times the thing that's difficult about that is that as, as many people age, they're, they're not as able to get around and, you know, do some things and handle some of the mechanical things and the physical challenges that might be involved with this. And there's not a lot, but, but there's some. And and so that's a difficult thing. I just I just love like what our son's doing is that at 25 he's going to get in a small class C RV and he's a he's a pro photographer and he handles the producing and the editing for this podcast and he's just going to do it on the road. And he's going to national parks, he's going to go see some things in North America that he hasn't seen and experienced and I just encourage people if you can do it at a younger age, give it a try. Um, like I was mentioning at the beginning of this episode, the, the friend of mine that I went to high school with, obviously we're around the same age in our mid-50s. He and his wife have just decided, the kids are up and out, that while they've got this time, they're going to take their business on the road and they're just going to see as much stuff as they can. That is so cool and that is what I would encourage people to do, if at all possible. So I hope this episode has helped you out and just maybe thinking differently and giving you a little glimpse into what we went through. I'm not going to say it was super easy or really convenient or even comfortable. In fact, there's been times we've been very uncomfortable and and even even the whole process of renovating and going through the process of buying and things like that. There's a lot to decide and a lot to a lot to uh, evaluate while you're doing that. But we made it through it and, uh, and, and we kind of got going. So what I encourage you to do as we wrap up this episode is if you have any desire to be more mobile, to possibly live on wheels, and I know a lot of people listen to this, you don't want to and you know it's not for you. Cool, no big deal. But if you have any desire to do it, then just get started. You know what I mentioned my buddy from high school the other night is I said, you know what, you've already got a truck. He has a, a, a nice big truck. Just go get you a fifth wheel or a trailer. You know, get it as best deal as you can. Maybe get a used one or if you want to get a new one, whatever. And just give it a try. Just get started. Because so many things that we thought were going to be a big deal ended up not being a big deal. And there were some things that we didn't even consider when we were evaluating and analyzing. And we're planners and analyzers, so we can overanalyze things. We have to be cautious of that. So many of those things we didn't even think about that we're now having to think about a little bit more. So just get started and go out and see things and experience things and just visit. If, if you're in North America listening to this, just visit as many places as you can and experience new things. You know, I, I have a, a big belief that it's very difficult to be narrow-minded. You know, we use this rough word, be a bigot and things like that. If you get out and travel and see things and meet people and talk to people 
and just experience different cultures and environments. And this, that's something that this lifestyle, being mobile, can allow you to do. So I hope this episode has kind of helped you maybe think differently, giving you a little glimpse into some things that you could do and ways you can live. And I look forward to just hearing some cool comments and cool stories from some of you that are listening in that might that might make this leap, that might make this jump and just get started living on wheels. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seek Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success and creating something new. We are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.